Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, during this season of Lent, we have been anchoring our time mostly in the Gospel of John. John, who reveals these stories of Jesus' interactions with people, his meetings with them, his miracles, and the things that he taught. And last week we saw in John chapter 3 a meeting between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, a member of a particular religious sect, who was also a member, we're told, of the Jewish leading and ruling council. And we talked about how they met privately after dark one night and had a conversation Jesus told Nicodemus that night that something deep needed to happen in the life, in the heart, in the soul of Nicodemus in order for him to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus told him that his spirit needed to be reborn, needed to have new birth, that God's spirit needed to shine into his heart and and stir something up and bring something that was dead to life. Jesus shined a light on that dark night into Nicodemus's life and illuminated for him the path that Nicodemus could take to walk into abundant and eternal life. And last week I mentioned that following the service, uh, there were people who were ready to pray with anybody who had uh, questions or wanted to hear more about that kind of life that Jesus was, was lighting up for Nicodemus that night. Anybody who wanted to pray uh, to open themselves up to the transforming work of God's Spirit in their lives. I want to say that's a standing offer. Uh, We would always love to meet with anybody who would like to hear more about new life in Christ. Again, we say part of the reason we exist as a church is that people might know God. As we seek to go deeper in our own knowledge and understanding of God, It's our privilege to introduce others to that same relationship. And so any of the pastors would be honored to pray with you. Uh, If you don't know who to talk to, you could stop by the Welcome Center or even ask somebody here that that you know. And those joining online, too, please reach out uh, to the church office at any time. We would love to have those kinds of conversations. Here's how Pastor Eugene Peterson paraphrases the end of this Nicodemus passage from the Gospel of John, in his message version. This is the crisis we're in. God light streamed into the world, but men and women everywhere ran for the darkness. They went for the darkness because they were not really interested in pleasing God. Everyone who makes a practice of doing evil, addicted to denial and illusion, hates God light and won't come near it, fearing a painful exposure. But anyone working and living in truth and reality welcomes God light. So the work can be seen for the God work it is. And so the question for for all of us is what's our inclination? What's our reaction? Do we find ourselves heading toward God light, this light from God, the truth, the love, the word of God revealed in Jesus Christ? Or do we find ourselves running away from it? If we run from it, the Bible reveals that, unfortunately, we really have no hope for our guilt, for our shame, for our brokenness. 
But the promise of the scripture is that if we head toward the light, head toward Jesus Christ, even though that might be painful as our own brokenness comes into sharp focus, we find that God's light will shine in us. Yes, to reveal sin, but also to cleanse us of that same sin. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so rather than stumble around in the darkness, which might feel safe, might feel like it's protective, that it cloaks us and hides us and comforts us, rather than stumble around in that darkness, Christ invites us to, lead, to follow a path out of that darkness that actually sabotages us, that blinds us, and to follow Christ's light into a path that leads us into life that is truly life. And then as that light takes residence in us, God sends us out to be light in the world. One day Jesus told his disciples, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So at one point, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But then another time he told his disciples, those who had chosen to follow him, you are the light of the world. And so it seems that those statements either have to be somehow independently true, that, that they could both stand on their own, or there's one statement, one truth that follows from the other. And I'm convinced that it's this second case, that it's true that because Jesus is the light of the world, that those who choose to follow him are empowered to become the light of the world themselves. A few weeks ago, we looked at the opening verses of John's gospel. And I invite you to read, let's read this together aloud, beginning of John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus came into the world as light and as the source of light. His followers, those who have been reborn of the Spirit in their own spirit, those who have surrendered to him their lives and seek to follow him, those who have found forgiveness for their sins and have been given the gift of abundant and eternal life, have been given the Spirit of God that allows the light of Christ to take up residence in their own hearts and lives, to lead them into life that is truly life. And this light that is now inside them and has transformed their identity as from people of darkness to people of the light means that they are, in fact, the light of the world. One of the oldest questions of the Christian faith is, 
how then shall we live? In other words, if our lives have truly been turned upside down by this light that shines, if our lives have truly been transformed from the inside out by the work of God's Holy Spirit, what, what difference does that make in our everyday lives? What difference should it make? And this is the age-old question of discipleship, of followership of Jesus. How are our lives actually different? Because Christ has empowered us to become light of the world, named us, appointed us as light of the world, meant to shine actually especially brightly now in this season when for a time Christ himself is not present as the light. John, who was the beloved disciple of Jesus, who wrote the gospel we've been reading and exploring during Lent, also wrote three letters to churches and to Christians who are wrestling with exactly this question. How are we supposed to live as followers of Jesus? What does it mean to be light in the world, to live as children of light? And in the opening verses of John's first letter, we read this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, with our, looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And so John begins his letter to the church, to his fellow Christians, by essentially saying, look, I'm not gonna tell you anything I haven't seen firsthand. I'm gonna share with you that which I have experienced and heard and touched. I want you to listen to me as a reliable witness. I want you to listen to the other apostles so that you might have fellowship with us, but more importantly, so that you might be united to our Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. And John goes on. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If you look at the writings of John, look at his gospel and these three letters that he wrote, these themes and images of light and dark turn up again and again. And John says we have a choice, either to walk in the light or to walk in the darkness. He never seems to mention kind of a shadowy in-between place. And John says if we're united to Christ, if we have fellowship with him, if we seek to be truly his disciple, our choice should be clear, and that is to walk in the light. The choice is clear, but we know that to live it out is not always simple. It's not always easy. I remember a time when a, ch a church member told me, you know, if you were to cut me, I would bleed purple. 
And I figured out what he meant is that he had a particular, very strong allegiance to a particular college. (laughs) And we say that. We say people bleed whatever it is inside them that they're really deeply devoted and committed to. That there's, if there's any, ever a chance for something to bubble up out of them, we kind of predict what it'll be. We know what it'll be. It's going to be unmistakable. It's what they're about. It's what they bleed. It's what's bubbling up inside them and ready to overflow at any minute. We, of course, see this in the stands as we watch the March Madness games. You can tell who's cheering for who, right? Uh, sometimes over the top, these people are die-hard committed fans, and their enthusiasm just bubbles over with any excuse. We see their sold-out commitment on full display. Jesus told his followers, you are the light of the world. And that light that is inside of us is meant to leak out. And we probably shouldn't have to be poked very hard for it to do so. The Apostle Paul writes to the Christians in Colossae, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And Jesus taught his disciples, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth simply goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. Jesus is saying, it's it's what's inside of you that comes up out of you. And this has been such an important lesson for me personally as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a caution, of course, to think about what is it I'm consuming? What is it that I'm taking in and storing inside me that someday might come out? But it's been a guide to me as well as I think about how the things that come out of my life, my words and my actions, might more fully reflect the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so I think about, well, what kind of heart work can I do, do I need to do to be more like Jesus? And so these things that spill out of me might be more like Christ. And so I end up thinking as a default often, um, well, I just need to work on being a better person so the things that come out of me are better and more of a blessing to the people around me. I need to be more kind, I need to be more generous, more thoughtful, and more loving. And of course, I do long for all those things to be true of me, especially as one who claims to follow Jesus. But anytime I'm remotely honest with myself, I have to acknowledge in all those areas, I have a long way to go. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus achieves perfection in all those areas and so many more. And so somehow by the grace and the mercy and the power and even the mystery of God's spirit, the spirit of Christ himself in me, I get to allow Jesus to spill out of my own heart and life. And so I'm convinced that even as we want to to yield to God's work, to make us more like Jesus, to do that sanctifying, growing work, we know we'll always have a long way to go. I know that as long as the people around me are counting on me to be more kind and loving and patient, I'm gonna do some damage along the way. And so I've become convinced that perhaps even in this process of being made more holy and pure, 
I think the best thing we can do sometimes is get out of the Spirit's way and allow God's Spirit to flow out of us, to shine the light of Christ from our lives. Because it's Christ in us who can bring kindness and love and patience and steadfastness out of our imperfect lives and into a world that so desperately needs those things. We think about sharing the light of Christ, letting that light and that new life bubble out of us, and we think about sharing our stories. What's our story? What have we seen? John says, I'm gonna share, share with you the things I've seen. So what's our, what's our story? What's our testimony? And we see people in the Gospels simply telling others, here's what Jesus did for me. Here's what Jesus told me. And that can be part of our sharing of the light for sure. It's a simple and powerful work. We can tell people what Jesus has done for us. But the character and the quality of our lives themselves, in order for them to reflect the light of Jesus, we need to let him shine through us and often in spite of ourselves. This is one reason God has given us the very spirit of Christ. Yes, the spirit works on us. Yes, the spirit comforts us and teaches us and guides us. Spirit corrects us when we need it. But the spirit that God gives us is meant to animate our very lives. Just as we breathe in, like through that prayer, we breathe in the power of God to work in us, to function the way God intends. And by yielding to God's spirit, we ask the spirit to do those things we know we honestly can't do. Paul writes in his letter to the Christians in Galatia that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so if those are the things that we want to see more and more spilling out of our lives, we need to allow the Spirit do the heavy lifting. This is what the Spirit produces. We need to let the Spirit do the Spirit's work. It will often mean not getting our way. It will often mean, uh, as Pastor Diane said, taking that moment when our first reaction is to respond from ourselves and to allow some space and ask, Spirit, how might you respond through me in this moment? It'll often mean not getting our way. It'll often mean getting out of the Spirit's way. We yield to God's Spirit to work on us and to work through us. And so this has been freeing for me personally because I can look at this list of fruit of the Spirit. I can give myself a grade in each of these categories uh, and it, it's not a pretty report card. <laughs> but the Spirit gets straight A pluses every time. And so as I think about my hope, I think about what Paul says, the spirit of God, Christ is, your, is the hope of glory in you. I can breathe a little bit and say, this is my hope that the spirit will bear this fruit in and through my life if I simply step back and allow some space. In many ways, I sometimes get to be a, a witness, a spectator to what God is able to do through me 
as I allow that space and don't interrupt as a, in a desire to get my own way. I get to see God at work, even through me, and I find myself humbled and awed. I find myself blessed and encouraged that, wow, God, you can do that even through me. And maybe you've had moments like this where you've, you found yourself doing something or saying something and saying, well, okay, that's not me. That's not my natural reaction, my natural inclination. That's God at work through me. Thanks be to God. This morning, I invite you to take the green card that you were handed on the way in. On one side, you'll see a prayer for Christ's presence and invite you to consider using that as a prayer in your own prayer and devotional time this week. But then on the other side, you'll see a prayer for reflection. And this prayer reminds us that even though we may have a pretty imperfect track record in each of these categories, Christ in us can truly bear this fruit. The Spirit of Christ, Paul says, is living in you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you if indeed you have allowed your life to be transformed by him. And so we have hope and find our hope renewed as we declare these truths, as we insert our name in these blanks and declare the truth together that Christ in us will bear this fruit. Please join me in prayer. Jesus Christ, you came as light into a world darkened by the pain, the guilt, the shame, and the brokenness of sin. And we thank you. We thank you for rescuing us from darkness and exchanging our guilt with the gifts of forgiveness and even your Holy Spirit breathed into us so that we might become more like you. And that like you, we might be light in this world. Spirit, would you guide us? Teach us to follow your lead to faithfully yield to you. Stir our expectation as we anticipate your work in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.